0: Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations Podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared, and I'm Craig. Ah, sir, Craigenstein, how are you? Great. How are you doing, Jared? That's what I should start doing—is coming up with a new way of that saying it. That would
1: be—that would be meaningful. <laughs> that, <laughs> you would feel that in your I, heart. I, I, I'm already, yeah. Just the idea.
0: Oh man, that's funny. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, been a busy day. Good. Uh, yeah, it is good for work and everything, and uh, so I'm thankful for God's provision. Uh, I'm also tired. Yes. Uh, so I will sleep well tonight. Uh, yeah.
1: How was your day? Well, interesting. Um, I had a near miss, near accident. Really? But yeah. I was uh, working today and actually was typing some stup- stuff up. Uh, I know this all sounds spontaneous, but the way this works is Jared texts and uh, emails me questions on Monday night. And then sometime Tuesday, I look at the questions and, uh, and then will jot down an idea or so you know mm-hmm. jot down something as an answer so always i was, I was uh, jotting down some thoughts to talk about on the podcast When all of a sudden, uh, Mm. my water bottle got knocked over uh, by me onto the keyboard of my computer. Now, my computer's here. It's working. Yeah, yeah, I see it. So, uh, But water was on my keyboard. And I thought, well, I don't know. I kind of wiped it up. But then all of a sudden, my screen started flickering. And I did what anyone at Grace Church does in a moment like that. I I think the right answer is pray. But actually, (laughs) it's not what I did. I ran into Tim Payne's office yeah, and said, right. Tim, what do I do? <laughs> uh, the, the, Tim is, he is all the sanity around here. He fixes all problems for all of us. And uh, he has a lifetime contract uh, at the church, uh, require. <laughs> he, he may not ever leave. But at any rate, uh, so he kind of had an idea. Hey, let's just kind of we'll blow a little air on it from a heater or something like that. So it worked. And we I put it in front of a space heater for about 10 minutes. And then, nice. boom, it popped on and it was it's working still. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not, but it worked. So, it was too big to put in rice. I think you put a yeah, phone exactly. in rice, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: that's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, you, can, you don't put your laptop in rice.
0: You'd have to get a uh, pretty big pan Yeah, to do that, that is a That's bu- a lot of rice. That's a bucket of
1: rice. Yes, indeed. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's, I almost, uh, that, that would have been really sad, but yeah. other than that, Uh, It was a good, uh,
0: good day. Well, I'm glad that uh, there's no irreparable damage.
1: and I did pray later, by the way. That's good. But it just was a prayer of Thanksgiving. It wasn't my first impulse. (laughs) My
0: first impulse was,
1: "Help me, Tim." Tim, (laughs) yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, this week we got quite a few questions. In fact, I think we got the most questions this week than we've ever gotten, right?
1: So. Yep. Is that indicative of a growing, uh, you know, base of listeners? Well, um, a number, you're going to say this, I think, but a number of the questions were very similar. So I think, I think what it reveals is a major hole in the sermon. There was like (laughs) an elephant in the room that I wasn't talking about. And a lot of people tapped into that and asked that. No,
0: see what I think it is. Go ahead. Here's my theory. Okay. Is you know the Spirit is working in our congregation to make us all more like Christ, oh, and okay. as we converge, uh, you know there's there's kind of a convergence unity. happening in unity in our like-mindedness, and so oh, we okay. ask similar questions because we're all getting closer to being like Christ. That, that is that? so encouraging. Wasn't that nice? That was
1: a lot nicer than my, my, my explanation. It <laughs> was a very
0: but, spiritual thing.
1: <laughs> no, I think it was good. There was more questions. Also, uh, we should mention we're back from a one-week hiatus. We didn't have a podcast last week, and I mm-hmm. think perhaps there were some people thinking, oh. They might be going away. I better get my my question in. (laughs) That's right. You know, and so uh, I think there was a little bit of that. that's funny.
0: Yeah, no, we are here. We are here to stay for the foreseen future. that's right. (laughs) We're here to stay until we're not.
1: Until we're gone.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. As a reminder, uh, feel free during the sermon to text in your uh, sermon-related question to 469-573-2920 uh and that's what this podcast is for so we can talk about some of those things and uh follow up on Sunday and so Sunday you talked through Matthew 19 uh or not 19 that's that's wrong Matthew 6 19 through 34 right um and so here are some of the questions uh <laughs> in fact uh yeah let's just go ahead and jump on the one that you uh noticed was pretty related uh yeah, <laughs> it's it's basically this. Um, how should a Christian approach these verses, uh, speaking to the sermon of Jesus talking about not worrying? Hey, look at the fields. Look at how they right. Look at how the, the, the air. yeah the birds of the air and the flowers are clothed. You know, are you right. not of more worth than them? Right. Uh, so don't worry, don't worry. The Lord is going to provide. And so the person's asking, you know, how should Christians approach these verses uh, if they live in poverty or living in a third world country where starvation or nakedness. Uh, aren't just a possibility, but a probability, you know? And then uh, this same question was kind of asked in various ways. So another, another way that someone phrased it was, you know, we're told that God will provide for us And I've seen God do that, um, but I'm just not sure, uh, what to think about Christians that have gone hungry, that, you know, they aren't in the same context as, as I am. And even, uh, this person was thoughtful and kind of pulled out the example of Paul, you know, the apostle Paul, where Paul is even talking about like, Hey, I've had abundance and I've had absolutely nothing. Uh, so I thought that was a thoughtful way of phrasing it. And then also, uh, you know, it's, uh, easy to hear people critique Jesus' words, uh, about always having enough food in the same way that birds always have enough food. When we know that people around the world, they, they are going hungry. They don't right. have the clothes. They don't have shelter. Um, and I thought it was it was especially thoughtful and contextual for this person to point out the fact that we're in Frisco. Yep. Uh, it's easy for us to think that, yeah, we'll get enough food. Um, but we know that that's not the case for everyone. And so um, the, this other person also kind of tacked on that they had recently met a, uh, a Christian person who was going through suffering. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, could you expand on that some for us to kind of think of that in a broader way? Because I think they're, they're all right. Every single person sure. who asked this question is absolutely right because we're... I think, you know, for, for us, we're, we kind of have our antennas up and our, we're on guard for anything that, that smells or sounds like prosperity gospel. But at the same time, here we have Jesus saying, Hey, don't worry about these things you're going to be provided for. And we know the reality is that there's many Christians around the world based on maybe where they live or, um, you know, that, that simply do not have these things provided to them. So maybe, uh, yeah, if you could just speak to that for us.
1: Yes. Well, it it is a great series of questions that are all kind of hitting a a similar theme there. And normally I think it's a bad idea to listen to a sermon with others in mind. I think we should listen to a sermon. and How does this apply to me? But in this case, I think it's really good. I love these questions because they are thinking about people. Uh, they're thinking about application of God's word to people who are in more difficult situations, suffering situations yeah. than, than they are. No one who asks these questions is living in a famine. So uh, right. that's what I love. So there is a time when we do want to listen and apply the scripture uh, to someone else. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that is... Uh, They did a great job with all that. Well, I guess I feel a little bit uncomfortable sitting in, you know, kind of luxury and trying to uh, address this to those who are poor at different parts of the world as we sit in the uh, Grace Church podcast studios here (laughs) on top of the world. Uh, Uh, As, uh, you know, my first world problems, a wet, a wet laptop, you know, uh, compared to other people um, in the world, because there are people who are suffering, there are Christians Uh, who have starved, who are starving. Um, And I guess I'd say a few things about this. First of all, I do think the Sermon on the Mount applies to suffering people. I think it applies to people that are uh, lacking even uh, necessities. Um, This doesn't say everything the Bible says about suffering. So Jesus isn't—one of the things that's difficult, we can't take a statement of Jesus— and sort of universalize it, uh, because this isn't everything that's said about provision and need in all of the Bible. So obviously I'm gonna take us to another scripture in a minute. Uh, I think there's other places to go. So it doesn't say everything that can be said about suffering with lack of food or lack of shelter or clothing. and uh, so that's the first thing I would say. I think there's we have to look at other scriptures. What would Jesus say? I don't know that this is what Jesus would say in case of famine. I think there's other verses that might apply. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would say that uh, he's speaking in a context. He's speaking to Galileans who do have access to resources. He's not speaking to people who live where there's no growth of crops or anything like that. So he's speaking to his disciples. And the context of the message is, it is to his disciples that he is preparing them because he's going to send them out and say, don't take a lot of provision with you uh you're going to depend on others whatever God provides through others that's what you'll have so he's yeah. speaking to people that are going to be sent on mission in a lo- in a locale uh, who do have access to resources at least through uh through other people providing uh, for them i would say that the the sermon on the mount does apply um, because of a couple things Um One would be, think about the prayer for daily bread. Uh, Those who are in, uh, and I'm just using the word famine, people that don't have any access to food often could be in a famine context. Um, The prayer for daily bread is a very, it's a very real one Um, that feels a lot more real than what we're praying. Lord, I'm acknowledging you are my uh, very source. So first of all, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount overall, Uh, I think the looking to the Lord for our daily needs is most appropriate, whether you have an abundance or whether you have very little. So first of all, that is universal. Mm. Um, I think also what's universal is everyone is called to lean on the Lord and not worry. So and how do I say this sitting here, you know, I feel again, this is embarrassing, but but the reality is the person who lacks is called to trust the Lord just like anyone else and lean on the Lord and not worry. Um, that's part of what the, the, the point is. Um, worry won't do any good. Worry won't yeah. produce food. Jesus said it won't add an hour to your life. God determines the length of your days. Uh, we're called to be responsible and do what we can, but our lives are in his hands. So that's really the purpose of the passage ultimately is to say our lives are in his hands, therefore we don't worry. It's not. A promise that there'll be no trouble as a matter of fact it guarantees trouble verse 34 therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble there's trouble today and there will be trouble tomorrow and there'll be grace for each day so it's a call not to worry because god is a father and god is good and god provides Um, but but it's not a statement that there'll be no suffering or else there wouldn't be this promise of trouble in there as well. So I think that's important to note that that it's a call not to worry and to lean on God. It's not a passage about the promise of lack of trouble. Trouble will come. It calls us to a confidence in our Heavenly Father. He knows our needs. And I think the ultimate promise of the passage is just that, that there is a father who sustains birds. He knows your needs and cares for you. He certainly will care for you, even even in suffering. So there's no text of Scripture that guarantees in this life we will not get sick. We will not lack lack finances. Our home will not be robbed a loved one will not die. Yeah. Um, we will not uh, be uh, insulted or uh, rejected. There's no scripture that says this won't happen. There's no there's no scripture in the Bible that says any suffering that happens to anyone won't happen to you potentially as a Christian. The only promise of the Bible is that God will be with us, care for us, love us, provide for us, uh, and that we have the hope of a future when there will be no suffering. Yeah. So uh, I I think to say, hey, well, how does this apply? Because he's saying everybody gets food all the time, Um, I think he's saying, trust him. He provides uh, but there are people. There are times in a fallen world that people die from a lack of uh, uh, from a lack of food. I think what it, so I don't think we can absolutize that as a command. What mm-hmm. we can absolutize though is the love of God, and that never changes. Yeah. So it doesn't promise no suffering or no hunger ever, uh, but it does promise God's love. And I think it's interesting. I, I, Romans eight I think is a great passage here because in Romans eight. Paul identifies the two things Jesus is talking about here and says these can happen, mm-hmm. and if they happen, God loves you still. So it says, Romans 8 31, what shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, so I read this Sunday, but gave him up yeah. for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Now I didn't read what comes after that. Uh, a couple verses later, it says, um, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or Mm -hmm. danger, or sword. For it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Um, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. So in this passage, it is implied that Peril is coming. Danger is coming. For your sake, we're being killed all day long. Mm. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It doesn't sound like that. It yeah. <laughs> sounds like there's a lot of suffering going on in this life. Yeah. But he says, "What? even if there's famine or nakedness, that's interesting. None of that can separate you from the love of God. So I think generally the expectations, the way God providentially normally acts is he provides Any food we have is absolutely provided for him and he normally does that. But there are times when for any number of reasons, it could be famine, Uh, it could be in a lot of places where there's starvation, there's corruption. There are adequate resources, but they're being hoarded by the rich and the powerful that are oppressing the poor. So in some cases, there are enough resources to feed everybody, but there are evil people uh, that are freely choosing to harm others. Yes. In other times in a famine, that is providentially a lack of water that produces a lack of crops. Mm -hmm. people uh, do starve in that context. Yeah. But even there, the Christian can can know that there's no separation from the love of the Lord. Paul wrote, I'll, I'll close with this on this question, um, unless you have some follow-up, Jared, but Paul in Philippians, he's in jail. He doesn't know if he's going to die. Um, you know, you think about the disciples that are hearing this, look at the birds, look at the flowers. The reality is that most of them, the original disciples, they were all martyred, you know, so there's yeah. no guarantee you don't get beheaded for Jesus. But Paul is in prison. And he doesn't know if he's going to get out or not. And he, he says in there, you know, I don't know if I'm going to die or not, but to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the ultimate promise is the father's care, the father's presence Jesus will never leave or forsake us. That's absolute. Nothing can separate us, even famine or nakedness or persecution, danger, sword. None of that can separate us from his love. And that's the, generally, He does, we do have food, but we're all going to die. Some are going to die of starvation. And to die is going to, for the Christian, is ultimately going to be gain. I don't say that flippantly. It sounds flippant, but I don't mean that flippantly. Yeah. Um, so I just think those are some some, some thoughts about it. That it it kind of comes down to why is there suffering and what do you do with suffering? Yeah. And um, there's no guarantees that we're that we are ultimately, you know, get a get a free pass on yeah. suffering.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's interesting too. I mean, uh, I think that we all want to ask this question, and this is certainly not a reflection on people asking this question. It's a great question, but I think there can be a tendency in us to to look at people who have either less money or or in maybe a less uh, you know materially yeah. uh, fortunate position, sure. and say, "Wow, they must have so many worries." And I feel like that can almost uh, kind of reveal in us a temptation to trust in our material possessions well to trust. Uh, uh, you know, in our bank account or whatever. And I ju- it just made me think, even as, you know, part of the contextual- contextualization of uh, of one of these questions was, we live in Frisco, Texas. Right. And it just occurred to me, I'm, I'm sure there's people around us who have $100,000, a million dollars, $10 million in their sure. bank account. Sure, And you can't tell me that they don't worry about things. Yeah, absolutely. You can't tell me that they're not... Um, you know, concerned about things. And so it's just interesting to me to think about the fact that, you know, regardless of our life circumstances, there's always going to be a temptation to worry. There's always going to be a reason for us to distrust God, to disbelieve the fact that he's our provider. Yep. Um, And so, you know, I, I look at, you know, you know, my, my situation was, you know, yeah, we're, we're incredibly blessed to be, you know, by God's providence and by his, his goodness towards us to, to provide these uh, things that, yeah, I don't, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear. Um, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat, but, but I do have other concerns. Um, and so, you know, I, I love that you kind of point out the fact that, you know, at the end of all of it, we're we're gonna yeah. we're gonna die, and it, you know what is the greatest provision that the Lord can give us is is eternal life. Is eternal life, yeah. You know? And and so you know, I in some ways I think that people in those less fortunate positions, or you know, it, I guess as an American would say, less fortunate, but sure. uh, that that maybe are in a third world country, you know, the Lord has not you know fulfilled their you know their whole weeks needs of food or sure. clothing. Um, it, but it makes me wonder: In what ways do they do they have a a greater realized sense of dependence on God than I yes. do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that a gift to them? Do they recognize that? I, you know, it's and not the, like I've
1: yeah, that's true. And the joy that comes with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not a world traveler, but I have traveled and 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 been in context with uh, around uh, serving folks who are you know, certainly of little means and very yeah. poor. I've, I've never been in a place where people are actually, actually dying of starvation where I've observed that. But I have been in places where people are very, very poor. Um, and uh, especially among the children, oftentimes mm-hmm. I've seen tremendous... Um, you know, a tremendous—among um, Christian churches in, in those contexts, I've seen children with a tremendous joy. And so I, I, I do think that God provides—daily He daily bread is the prayer. And oftentimes yeah. people in those situations, we don't envy those. We want to be very grateful for our situation, what we, all God's provided. But we also want to look at that and not depend on it. That was the whole point, you know, really of the passage earlier was— you know, what do you treasure? And I think there's a, there's an implicit call to us in all this is what can we do to alleviate that suffering? Mm. Um, you know, you can't serve two masters, God and money. Uh, what do you treasure? Wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So I think um, we do have means in our world to help alleviate, alleviate yeah. um, you know, uh, folks in poverty in some ways, mm-hmm. um, whether that's supporting clean water or, you know, various, various means that we have that we can support those who are in need by making uh, donations with the, with our well out of our wealth, out of, you know, from the surplus we Mm -hmm. have, we can use that for others in need. So I think that's a, that's a lesson here as well. But I love the line of questioning. And I guess I'd say after all that rather verbose answer, it's, it's not easy and it's not easy to answer questions that have to do with suffering ever, Mm -hmm. because you can't ever, answer the why of suffering, all you can really do is affirm truths of scripture. Uh, nothing will separate you from your love. He is He is a father. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will use all of your suffering for the believer yeah. uh, to conform you to his image. He'll use it for your good, yeah. to live as Christ, die as gain. You can affirm these various statements of scripture, but that's about all you can do. Yeah. You can't explain why. So. Yeah, that's for
0: sure. Well, thank you for kind of expounding on that for sure. us and helping to answer that uh, important question. Uh, next one, we have this. I thought this was a really interesting one. I have heard Matthew six twenty seven translated, and who by worrying can add a single inch to his height? Having studied the passage, do you think this is a fair translation? And if so, how does it add to our understanding of what Jesus is saying here? That's really interesting.
1: It is. Uh, it is really interesting. Um, and if you look in the footnote of the ESV, uh, what this questioner is saying is absolutely true. Verse um, Uh, the footnote in the ESV says, or uh, well, let me read what it says. The, the ESV actually says, uh, it's verse 27, right? And which mm-hmm. of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? The footnote says a single cubit or a single cubit to his stature. A cubit was about 18 inches, it says. So, you know, who can add height by worrying? Mm. I don't know, but there was a lot of people trying out for middle school basketball that were worrying <laughs> about their height and hoping that overnight they could gain yes. a little bit. <laughs> huh. um, Well, uh, so this is, this is what it says. It, it more literally does speak of who can add a qubit, uh, to their span. Mm. So, um, what does this mean? Span, the the word span, it can be used in two ways in Greek, just like it can in English. So the ESV translates this, who can add, um, you know, who can add, by anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. But span can also be a distance, like a wingspan is measured, you know, someone's wingspan uh, is is measured, uh, or a a plane's wingspan or a person's span, I guess, is measured in... um, that's a distance, so it can be, uh, but a, but a lifespan is time, mm-hmm. so it could be distance or time, yeah, either one. Yeah. So, because of the context, most translators think this is figurative, and he's not meaning who can add uh 18 inches their height, first of all, because it says cubit. So, first of all, nobody really probably wants to add 18 inches to their, to their height. It seems like a really quite a dis, you know, quite a, quite a bit. So yeah. like, you know, who could end up being seven foot tall or whatever it is, <laughs> you know? Uh, so b- given the fact it's a large distance, it probably, d- it's a, it's a big, uh, number. It probably doesn't mean, uh, to your span, your height also, because the context isn't about being a little taller. Who's worried about being a little taller. The context is survival. So mm. it's food and this sort of thing. So, y- y- you know, God's going to provide you. you uh, he's going to give you food. He's going to give you clothing. God will provide for you. And by the way, worrying, you can't make yourself taller. Yeah, That doesn't make sure. as much sense as God's going to provide food. And by worrying, you can't add an hour to your lifespan. Yeah. You know, so it just con- contextually means, so since span can be both, most commentators would say the cubit figure, I mean, the cubit measurement is figurative. Mm-hmm. Who, who can add... Uh, you know who can add to your lifespan yeah. so I think the ESV translation uh, is good but the questioner is right that it's it's more literally who can add inches 18 inches yeah. uh, to their height so the point is your lifespan is in God hand God's hand you can't add to your lifespan by worrying so they're just translated as a, fig, a figure of speech
0: hmm. really interesting. Cool. Well, thank you for that. And then uh, let's go on to this last one. Uh, Why would God create us in such a way as to worry? If he controls all things and cares and provides, as your sermon stated, why would we have to worry? Even after the fall, wouldn't he take away the worry from our life?
1: Well, that's a, that's a good question, you know, and again, I'm going to probably plead a little bit like I can't answer whenever it kind of goes to why does God do this or that? It's a little bit like the why suffering, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think there's some indicators. Why would God create us in such a way as we could worry? Um, why why didn't he just remove that from us since he provides for us? It's yeah. a great question. Um, I think the part of the answer is we are created as worshipers and we are meant to, we're created as those are who are meant to express love and devotion to God, to worship Him, to, to follow Him with our lives. But God um, gives us... Um, You know the ability to worship him or to turn from him. You know to turn to to uh, to suppress our knowledge of him, to ignore him, to deny him, and so we are going to worship. He's given us freedom, and we can worship him or we can turn to an idol. And that's the context of this passage. Where's your treasure? Um, Where 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 are you trusting? Where are you hoping in? You can't serve God. And mammon, which means the thing trusted, so you yeah. cannot you cannot serve God and money. Where are you putting your trust? And his whole point here is, if you respond in reliance on God as you were created to, that's a real um, that's a real weapon against worry. But yeah. if you turn away from God, you're going to rely on someone or something else, and ultimately you're going to rely on yourself. Yes, and that in essence is going to produce worry. So why did he not remove worry? I think because he didn't remove the freedom in our worship, to worship him or to worship an idol. I think that's really at the heart of it, Begin in the passage that's that. So um, I think God uh, gives us the freedom to treasure him, but also gives us the freedom to treasure uh, something else or someone else. And when we do, we experience worry. So why allow worry? I think part of the answer could be, well, why allow freedom to worship? Why allow freedom to love God? Why allow freedom to serve God? Why allow freedom to trust him or to trust another? I think that's ultimately the answer. And the person's hope in this question is, Mm -hmm. man, I wish God would just remove worry. That day is coming. The kingdom has come. But when it fully comes and we see Christ face to face, we're in his presence in the new heaven and new earth. There will be no worry. uh, There will be no fear. uh, Absolute abundant provision beyond all that we can imagine will be there. And I think that's the hope. Back to question one here before we're done. That's the hope for the person as well. The hope of the kingdom for the person who lacks the necessities of life is that there is a day when everything will be provided beyond all that they could imagine. And they will, uh, the last will be first. They will be in a privileged, blessed uh, position beyond description. And uh, so, you know, you, you do find people uh, singing praise and longing for the return of Christ and the new heaven and the new earth. You do see that hope. Eschatology is much richer among suffering people. Oftentimes yeah. book of revelations written to suffering churches. Yeah. So I think there's that hope that really ties the two in that, uh, there's coming a day as the questioner says, why does God just not remove worry since mm-hmm. he's providing? Right. The answer is yes, he will. It's just not yet. Yeah. Um, so
0: that's good. Um, and I love how you kind of frame it like a worship issue. And, and this got me thinking, you know, what if, what if God did remove worry from our life? Would it be a matter of, well, here's the deal is, you know, he created us as bearers of the image of God. Yes. You know, we are created to know that, that our, our need is found elsewhere, that Mm -hmm. our source is outside Outside of ourselves. Exactly. And so really it, it, it kind of, You know, if you frame it kind of in that sense, you see worry as really this, this knowledge that we can't provide for ourselves in a disordered fashion. We're confused about where, where our food comes from. We're, we're confused about who sustains us. We think it's us or we think it's some other thing. Kind of like what you're pointing out, maybe an idol or something, um, but really, it just it kind of made me think, you know, what kind of creatures would we be if God all of a sudden just took that away from us? Mm-hmm. That that sense that that mm-hmm. we depend on him, if he just took that away from us, you know, it would not cure our sin. It would just make us, you know, I don't know, a lot like animals where they yeah, have instincts right. and stuff. But I doubt they're thinking like, man, I really hope God lets that apple fall off the tree yeah, so right. I can grab it and take it back to right. my burrow or whatever. You know, so yeah. I, I think that's an interesting aspect, too, and kind of where my brain went. But yeah, man, that's really helpful, especially in terms of just worshiping and, and you know. Yeah, I, I think that's a really helpful way of framing that,
1: for sure. Well, so. I, well, thanks. I, I think it, there was a lot of response on Sunday to this text, <clears throat> and I think it was evident in people uh, responding for prayer at the end. I think it was evident in, in questions and just some anecdotal conversations I had with folks um, ab- about the fact that what Jesus is touching on here is such a living uh, reality for all of us, yeah. how we need to be reminded that he does uh, he does have our life in his hands. Yeah. and and we need community where we can remind one another of that and even you know where we can um, hold one another up in prayer, provide practical help and support to one mm-hmm. another and uh, and also just the testimony of seeing God provide it, you know, even being at a in a small group or at a prayer time or um, community group or prayer time or uh, re-engage is uh, uh, about to kick off, you know a re-engage group or whatever. Um, where you can see God acting and providing for someone else, it just stirs our faith and confidence in Him when we see that we are living in a world that God is active all around us through nature and through our lives, through the church. Uh, through the power of his spirit, God is at work. And I think one of the big takeaways is God. W- is to ask God, would you open my eyes to see you working in my life, in those I love, um, in those uh, all, all around me? May I just uh, observe the testimonies of your activity and respond with greater trust and confidence. So uh, we're in this together as a church. We're in this together as those who worry and are fearful and anxious. Let's help one another as a community of recovering warriors who are growing to see Jesus more clearly. And as we do, uh, trust him more fully.
0: Yeah, that's encouraging. Well, very good. I think that's it for uh, today. Uh, do you have anything? Well, I mean, the only upcoming thing I can think of is men's retreat. coming out of the word. Really excited for that, especially uh, when I heard that we're kind of doing the uh, root beer keg again. Oh, are we? I didn't even hear that. I I thought I saw it. Yeah, I think so. Because I'd asked him, you know, are we doing that again? And he said he didn't know. But then uh, I saw an email sent out, and I think that was one of the things. Oh, that was that. Okay, that's good. Well, I got another email today that was kind of like a, uh, you know, get ready kind of email. Uh, And they mentioned, you know, dinner Friday night, get ready. It's something special, so...
1: Yeah, they should have said that when we were uh, registering. I know. If you want to appeal to men for a mixed conference, there's going to be food. <laughs> why? Why are we marketing how great dinner is after everybody's already signed? Right. We should have been marketing that before. Well,
0: now it's to, just to teach people. I'm not a correcting anyone for- here.
1: I'm just saying, just uh, you know,
0: you know, whoever didn't sign up, let's make them feel real bad.
1: <laughs> exactly. Hope you learn your lesson. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're yeah we're we're eating some kind of uh, carnivorous uh, meal, and yes. it'll be great. I'm sure. Yeah. Do you? Re- were you at the men? Retreat we did, I can't remember last time. When we were out in the boonies? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. We we grilled our own steaks. Do you remember? Yes. We went out there and there's a fire and like you grilled your own steak. Yeah, that was my first time
0: seeing a tarantula in Texas. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. It was great. Did you grill it? (laughs) No. It was a little late. It was the next day. Someone
1: (laughs) videoed that. Yeah, I remember that.
0: Yeah. I think uh, Fred was taking some pictures of it.
1: That's uh, great. Yeah, yeah, I remember the, a tarantula. The, I don't think there's going to be a tarantula at this men's conference.
0: I, you know, I don't want it to be disappointing to anyone who who spoke at that conference yes. at that retreat to think that the the biggest takeaway was the tarantula. <laughs> yes, it was Rick
1: who's speaking at this. We'll be back. Yeah, to do a right. Session here. Yes. Yeah, right. Well, so I Rick, don't want
0: him to hear this episode of yeah, this podcast. Yeah, Rick, so. you
1: did a great job speaking. But what I really remember was the yeah.
0: tarantula. <laughs> that's a Well,
1: I don't know if we're grilling steaks so or there'll be tarantulas, but the Lord has something good for us for uh, that'll be next week. Not this weekend, but the next. Yes. So Yes. Well, looking forward to that. Me too. Well, Hey, uh,
0: as a reminder, uh, feel free to shoot in, uh, your texts to four, six, nine, five, seven, three, two, nine, two, zero. If you're sitting in the, uh, sermon and you get a question, uh, related, uh, we'd love to hear it and, uh, hopefully answer it here on the podcast. So we'll catch you again next week. Thank you again, Craig, for your time. You thank you, Jerry. And thank you for your beard. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.